Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. August 19th, 2020. 10 TMT issues we are thinking about as summer 2020 fades. As summer 2020 is nearing an end, we thought it would be useful to highlight some of the key issues we are thinking about. Music streaming, HBO not so max, SVOD bundles, NFL rights, Comcast suboptimal structure, Mulan, Pivod, TikTok's future home, can the NFL overcome COVID, Twitter aging down, Android TV getting better, plus that one other small issue surrounding Epic and Apple. Number one, what happened to streaming music competition? Listening to recent public Warner Music, you would believe the streaming music landscape is highly competitive. Yet over the past few years, it feels like Spotify is reaching escape velocity, with other companies that stream music shifting their focus elsewhere. Quite simply, it is starting to feel like deja vu all over again when we think of the historic dominance of Apple's iTunes in the download era for music. Spotify's power is only growing as they layer on podcasting to cement their dominance in audio, leveraging exclusive content that is simply not feasible in music. Worth noting that Spotify is constantly iterating at a pace that far exceeds everyone else in the category, even if the podcast experience could still be improved. Apple feels far more focused, excited about streaming video than streaming music. Having barely mentioned music during WWDC this past summer, and with little to no product innovation over the past couple of years. While press reports talk to Apple Radio's expansion, it's hard to see more radio stations as a huge innovation at this point. Not to mention, we expected Beats 1 to be expanded four years ago, and it never happened. And while Apple remains the dominant player in podcasting, they are losing share, and their lack of interest in advertising makes it challenging for them to help podcasters generate revenue relative to other platforms. Amazon was on the cover of Billboard in 2017, with smart speakers paving an exciting growth story for Amazon Music. Yet Amazon Music Unlimited has never caught on with consumers, with most simply using the default free catalog service that comes with Prime membership on Alexa-enabled devices. Google YouTube has rebooted music more times than we can count, and is finally sunsetting Google Play Music. But honestly, we have no idea what the YouTube music strategy is, and we never seem to encounter anyone that is using or talking about the service. YouTube continues to be far more focused on its core ad-supported product, where music videos remain vibrant. Many had hoped TikTok would expand subscription music globally after launching in India, but with TikTok's regulatory challenges and the likelihood it will be split up, the odds of a global music service launch have all but vanished. Finally, Facebook and Snapchat are all paying for music content to be used on their platforms, which is a clear positive for both labels and artists but neither has any interest in taking on Spotify and competing in subscription music streaming. Number two, HBO Max needs to rip the Band-Aid off already. The good news for WarnerMedia is that over 26 million U.S. subscribers have access to HBO Max. The bad news is that only 4 million of them are using HBO Max, meaning 85% of HBO Max subscribers are still using the legacy HBO-only experience either on MVPD set-tops or via HBO apps and websites. Remember, there's no HBO Max or MVPD set on MVPD set-top boxes or within VMVPD apps. Comcast is actually working on an HBO Max app for X1 that's supposed to roll out later this year. So all of the HBO Max subscribers who want access to the Max content have to go to an HBO Max app or a website. Unfortunately, without HBO Max apps on either a Fire TV or Roku devices, 
finding HBO Max remains quite challenging. Adding to the confusion, WarnerMedia still allows consumers to sign up for HBO instead of HBO Max, as you can see from the screenshot embedded above, but tells consumers they could be getting HBO Max at no additional cost. Huh? Even as HBO tries to simplify their story, they fail to execute. As of August 1st, HBO legacy apps, HBO Go and HBO Now, disappeared from Fire TV devices altogether. However, HBO appears to have granted a short-term reprieve by making an HBO app available on Fire TV, despite Amazon having not yet agreed to carry HBO Max. So HBO had an opportunity to force Amazon's hand and simply did not take it, adding to consumer apathy around HBO Max. We actually tried it ourselves on a Fire TV, and our HBO Max login worked perfectly in the newly launched HBO app. Warner Brothers Tenant is another missed opportunity where Warner Brothers could have taken a high-profile film directly to HBO Max the way Disney has done with Hamilton and Mulan to generate excitement around HBO Max and to put pressure on TVOS platforms such as Roku and Amazon. Instead, they're forcing it into theaters, largely due to the demands of director Christopher Nolan. And even high-profile programming to date has been primarily HBO content, not HBO Max-exclusive content, such as this past weekend's premiere of Lovecraft Country. HBO needs to stop putting new high-profile content on HBO and focus all of their programming efforts on HBO Max, assuming they're actually committed to HBO Max being their long-term strategic focus. HBO also needs to end access to standalone HBO apps on Amazon, no more extensions, and on Roku. This will take time as their Roku contract has another year left. Furthermore, As soon as possible, HBO needs to exit channel stores such as Amazon and Roku so they can build a true direct-to-consumer streaming business as Netflix and Disney are doing. Everything we just said will be painful financially, but it's time to rip the Band-Aid off and go all in, especially given the breadth and depth of content across WarnerMedia that HBO Max can utilize. Number three, discount SVOD bundles will accelerate cord cutting. Apple TV Plus has begun offering a bundle of CBS All Access ad-free and Showtime for just $9.99, a 53% discount to Apple TV Plus subscribers. This is really the first subscription membership benefit of Apple TV Plus beyond the content on the service itself. We expect that the All Access Showtime bundle to be part of a template that Apple TV Plus replicates with other SVOD platforms going forward. Verizon has shifted from offering unlimited subscribers a free year of Disney Plus to including the Disney Blundle, which is Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus, for their two higher-end unlimited plans, akin to the way T-Mobile includes, quote-unquote, on us, Netflix, for all of their unlimited plan subscribers. While Viacom and Disney are taking an ARPU hit on their discounted offers, bundling meaningfully lowers churn, which is a clear net positive for their SVOD subscriber numbers. For the consumer, they are getting even more content, at lower and lower prices. The bad news for legacy media is greater uptake of SVOD, especially SVOD with little to no advertising, which shifts time away from linear TV even faster, pressuring TV advertising, and accelerating cord cutting. Number four, does Viacom's bolder SVOD strategy improve its NFL retention odds? We continue to expect the NFL to license the next round of media rights before year-end 2020, with current contracts set to expire after the 2021 season for Monday Night Football and the 2022 season for all other packages. 
As we entered 2020, we predicted that CBS would fail in its bid to renew NFL rights. While there's no doubt that Disney, ESPN, ABC, and Comcast, NBC are in the best position to renew and or expand their NFL packages, given the size and scale, we wonder if CBS is actually in a better position than we give them credit for. As Viacom CBS seeks to broaden and expand CBS All Access in what may soon be called Paramount Plus, according to press reports, it is building a growing base of subscribers to offset the financial pain of the declining MVPD, VMVPD universe. Remember, CBS All Access includes CBS's NFL rights, unlike its streaming peers. Conversely, think about Fox, where they have no way to offset the declining MVPD, VMVPD subscriber base, which is already sub-80 million and likely headed to 40 to 50 million over the next several years. Given that rights fees are set to at least double, renewing the NFL is going to be painful for everyone financially, especially as MVPD subs collapse. But having a growing base of streaming subscribers to help offset some of the financial pain could be an increasingly valuable asset for Viacom CBS. And while the immediate response is likely to be, but the ARPU is tiny, and even heading lower with the discounting as we highlighted in the aforementioned Apple bundle, Viacom CBS will hopefully invest far more in content to give them pricing power over time. Number five, are NBC and Sky dragging down the Comcast story? The merits of vertical integration in media are thin at best. While DirecTV certainly supplies AT&T with substantial free cash flow, the benefits to Warner Media are minimal. Sure, AT&T can package HBO Max with AT&T service and DirecTV service. However, we have seen others have the same, if not more, success at arm's length, whether that be Netflix and T-Mobile or Verizon Disney, not to mention what Apple is doing with CBS All Access and Showtime, as we discussed above. In turn, Comcast and Sky can certainly help propel Peacock by bundling it in for cable and eventually satellite subscribers. But if the service is compelling to consumers, it will work with or without that vertically integrated bundling. Sure, there's other benefits, such as being able to promote a PVOD title such as Trolls across the Comcast and Sky set-top boxes or create unique set-top box Olympic apps, but it's hard to see how Comcast or how those benefits to Comcast are meaningful enough to warrant vertical integration. Even if Comcast wants to keep NBC, does it really need all of NBC? We've raised the same issue for Disney as they pivot more aggressively to streaming. Why does Disney need to own ESPN and ABC? Similarly, does Comcast really want to own TV stations and cable networks? Theme parks will certainly recover, and content creation from Universal, both TV and film, is growing in value despite the current disruption in production. We find it hard to believe the long-term success of Peacock requires linear broadcast TV or cable networks. While we doubt Comcast would ever split itself up, we believe that value would be created by separating its assets, especially if it removed regulatory issues that prevent Comcast in its current form from making acquisitions. Food for thought, especially when you look at how the market is valuing a cable pure play in charter with bandwidth demands growing by the day. Number six, Mulan will use app stores, but has not yet reached deals. Many investors we talk to believe that Mulan being offered inside Disney Plus negates the need for app store fees, but that is factually incorrect. If you sell content in-app on Roku, Apple, Amazon devices, you need to compensate the platform. 
Last weekend, we noticed that Disney's Mulan website stated, starting September 4th with Premier Access, you can watch Mulan before it's available to all Disney Plus subscribers. Disney Plus will offer Premier Access to Mulan for $29.99 on DisneyPlus.com and select platforms. Given that Disney's language did not say in all apps where Disney Plus is available, we presume Disney's plan was to drive Disney Plus subscribers to their website to avoid having to pay the app store fees associated with in-app purchase. We believe Universal negotiated about a 20% split to app stores for Trolls and its other PVOD releases. That felt like an awful lot of friction for a PG-13 film at a $30 price point. However, we have since learned that Mulan's pivot to PVOD happened so recently that Disney simply has not yet negotiated terms with app platforms. From what we can tell, their plan is to offer in-app purchase of Mulan across all Disney Plus apps. We suspect the split will be at least 15% of the 30%, sorry, of the $30 price point, if not 20%. We'll be very interesting to see whether Disney's able to reach deals with all operators, given the increasing tension we're seeing between tvOS and device platforms and content creators and programmers. The other interesting part of what Disney is doing is that they're not granting ownership of Mulan at the $30 price point. Instead, Disney Plus subscribers are merely unlocking it early, and you only have access for as long as you're a Disney Plus subscriber. This is a new twist on PVOD SVOD. What we do not yet know is how long the window is between Mulan's PVOD launch on September 4th and its rollout to all Disney Plus subscribers. We suspect several months, but it'll be interesting to see how the gap impacts future decision-making by consumers. Is it a must-buy at $30 to unlock early access versus just waiting? Number seven, can TikTok flourish under Microsoft or Oracle? The proverbial TikTok shot clock imposed by the U.S. government continues to tick down with very little visibility on what happens next. We still do not even know if the tech algorithm that fuels TikTok can be separated from ByteDance and rebuilt in the U.S. We've already written about why we view Microsoft as an uninspiring buyer of TikTok, certainly less threatening than ByteDance. But the more we think about it, the more underwhelmed we are. Just think about what you've been doing throughout the pandemic. You're using video conferencing to talk to colleagues and business partners and clients. Yet Microsoft acquired both LinkedIn, a business networking platform, and Skype, one of the original leaders in video calling. And yet nobody's using Skype during the pandemic, save for Steve Ballmer, when he Skyped into CNBC a few weeks ago. And now press reports speculate that Oracle is in the hunt, another acquirer that is already bringing out the skeptics. See the funny tweet from Benedict Evans embedded above. The reality is TikTok's acquisition requires a ton of cash, the ability to move at lightning speed to announce and close a transaction, given the ticking shot clock, and most importantly, the engineering resources, another word for cash, needed to rebuild whatever tech stack that TikTok is losing access to through the ByteDance separation. That is why you are likely only hearing about large cash-rich tech companies as buyers, as TikTok has no cash flow to leverage in a buyout. The key for any buyer will be to invest aggressively to keep the TikTok usage engagement momentum going and to retain the executive talent that has helped make TikTok so successful. Definitely not an easy task. The worst part of what is happening to TikTok is that we love the platform and believe it can be so much more than it is today. Longer videos, commerce, communications, and more. The potential to actually be a mobile operating system is there. That said, it's becoming increasingly abundant that no legacy media company that desperately needs a mobile platform is in the hunt. 
They simply do not have the stomach for the size and complexity of an acquisition of this scale and the space, sorry, and the speed needed to close a transaction. At a minimum, TikTok losing global scale is a modest positive for Snapchat, Facebook, and Instagram, YouTube, and if a sale to Microsoft or Oracle leads to slower or even worse execution by TikTok or the executive turnover is substantial, it could be an even bigger positive for TikTok's competitors over the next several years. Number eight, NFL is taking COVID-19 very seriously as hope dims for college. We strongly urge anyone trying to assess the odds of an NFL season happening this fall to watch the first episode of HBO's Hard Knocks, short clip embedded in the video to the right. Yes, also on HBO Max, which illustrates the aforementioned branding problem. While the NFL does not have the bubbles used by the NBA and the NHL, the league and teams are sparing no expense to create a safe training work environment. Daily testing, masks when in outdoor gyms, equipment constantly cleaned, prepackaged food, outdoor, physically distanced meetings, well more than six feet apart, outdoor meetings, etc. Remember, the NFL generates over $7 billion in annual media rights. So even if there is a little to no gate this year at stadiums across the country, the upside from spending hundreds of millions to protect players and staff to play this season is enormous. Conversely, as you watch Hard Knocks and see how much the NFL is investing in safety and how seriously the players and staff are taking COVID, you realize how impossible the situation is facing college sports across the country. Colleges simply do not have the financial resources to create a safe environment the way the NFL does. Nor can colleges control the on-campus environment where players live. Can you really keep an entire team of 18 to 21-year-olds masked and socially distanced from everyone else on campus for the entire season? Hashtag good luck. We continue to believe it is only a matter of weeks until all college conferences shift to spring 2021. Number nine, Twitter is the platform where influencers, celebrities interact with fans. Not only is Twitter growing daily active users faster than Snapchat, Facebook, and Instagram, but it is aging down with a younger audience that sees it as a way to interact with influencers, celebrities, and athletes they love. There's a misperception that Twitter is old. Look no further than the short interview embedded to the right, where TikTok star Dixie D'Amelio tells her sister, TikTok star Charlie D'Amelio, that she loves using Twitter to interact with her fans. There's no doubt that Twitter is suffering from being heavily brand dependent versus Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat's greater reliance on performance advertising, not to mention Twitter ad spend is tied to events, many of which have been delayed or canceled. Yet a rapidly growing user base that is more engaged than ever before and that is growing younger should bode very well for 2021. Not only will Twitter have a far bigger user base as brand advertising rebounds, but performance advertising should start to kick in with an unprecedented series of events fueling Twitter ad revenue in 2021. Number 10, Android TV keeps getting better. Refresh coming. As part of the 11 weeks of Android, Google rolled out new features for Android TV last week. While we still expect a larger refresh of Android TV's UI in the introduction of a new Chromecast in September, see our War for the Living Room post. That more closely resembles Roku and Fire TV devices, all of the advances announced should flow seamlessly into the coming new UI. Within the Android TV feature update video embedded to the right, the most important additions tie to advances in personalized search results, 
Google Assistant, Gboard for the TV, and Google Play's frictionless payment subscriptions for the TV. Read the Android blog post on the changes to Android TV. Note that at the 154 mark of the video embedded above right, Android TV showcases that there are 7,000 plus Android TV apps available, but they only call out three, Disney Plus, Peacock, and HBO Max. Interestingly, the latter two are not available on the two largest TVOS device platforms in the U.S., Roku and Fire TV. We suspect the availability of Peacock and HBO Max will be heavily tied into the refresh of Android TV in September with a far more aggressive U.S. push. Today, Android TV remains primarily an international TVOS device platform. It's hard to imagine Google investing so much effort into Android TV if there's not a larger plan to gain meaningful market share in the U.S. In the U.S. today, Android TV is largely irrelevant. One more thing. In a list of what we are thinking about, it's impossible not to add in the rapidly escalating battle between Epic and Apple. While we have no idea what the court system will ultimately decide, nor how long the process will take to play out, we continue to struggle with the legal basis for Epic's claim. We have no idea what the fair share of the economics should be for Apple and how one decides whether 30% is fair, too high, or even too low. But it is certainly worth pointing out that Apple is not alone in charging 30%, as the IGN chart below illustrates. The IGN chart shows that Steam charges 30%, Epic 12 the Humble Store 25%, itch, uh, sorry, um, GOG 30%, Microsoft Store 30%, PlayStation 30%, Xbox Game Store 30%, Nintendo Shop 30%, Apple Store 30%, Google Store 30%, and then it talks about physical stores, GameStop, Amazon, Best Buy, and Walmart essentially charging a 30% markup. 